0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff.
1: My guest is CJ Martas. CJ was visited by 13 seraphim angels, and it totally changed her life. And now we're going to learn about it. CJ, thank you so much for joining me today, and welcome. Welcome.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me today to to tell this story. Mm -hmm. I I love sharing it, and I'm just happy to be with you today.
1: That's great. Now, I'm going to say this up front, and I'm going to have to expose myself, but I don't even know what seraphim angels are. So can you first tell us what those are before you tell us about your experience?
0: Oh, I'd be happy to, I think that that's a term maybe many of your listeners wouldn't know for, for certain. And so that's a great, that's a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many of many different types of of angels and uh, seraphim were considered to be like the host of heaven, meaning that their frequency was the closest to the creation source of energy. Um, Many of, you know, we talk about like Archangel Michael you'll read about, or people may uh, connect with angels in various ways. And actually the, the archangels were also seraphim. However, they kind of hold a different position in what they do to help us. So the seraph were named because they were called the fiery ones. The word seraph means fiery. (laughs) Um, And the reason for that was just when they would, If you look at historically and biblical times when they would appear, it would often be as as a very fiery presence or, uh, you know, something that people couldn't look at with their eyes. I actually didn't. I knew about angels, but I did not know actually what a seraphim really was until my experience. Um, But they often are depicted with three sets of wings um and what's so interesting about them in like you know just historically or biblically you would see them depicted with a regular set of wings like we would think of an angel having a set that goes across their face and one that goes across and then another set downward and and the reason was that is that it was believed that that if you looked into the, the face of a seraphim, you you actually wouldn't survive that. But you'll often see that in because I find the history of angels in our world and how we have reported that really interesting. <clears throat> so you could consider them, you know, and they're as kind of a higher frequency upper echelon if we looked at it as a hierarchy kind of angel.
1: I like the way that you broke down the word seraphim. So mm-hmm. um can you tell me what does it mean or can you break down the word archangel and what what does that mean?
0: You know, there are typically 13 of of these archangels. And you know, in in my opinion, you know, I think maybe scholars might say something different, but we have angelic beings all the time that that watch over us. What my understanding of what an ark Angel, which is like arch, we set, mm-hmm. tend to call keep that H silent when we say that. The arch that overreaches, you know, the universe, they hold such a special place in holding the cosmos together. Most people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. And so they are an overarching presence that has kind of reach over all of the other angelic beings. That's why you know when you think of the archangels, you know they're Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 others. They they are invoked for specific reasons, right? So in in many ways, you can have other angels benefiting you, but you can go directly to the archangels because they hold such a powerful energy and they hold an energy in a particular way. And mm-hmm. I like to look at it as frequency, right? Very high frequencies at a quantum level and those energies are all depicted in 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 different ways and so like when we talk about archangel we know he's the protector he has protection energy he has a swift and fierce you know, kind of kind of frequency. And so when people will ask, you know, oh, Archangel, please give me strength. You know, we we might pray or we might meditate or we might try to connect with these energies. Mm-hmm. And so when I say art, when I think of an archangel, I really break that down as that they are the overarching establishment basically of the angelic realm. That's kind of how we call the space they 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 inhabit, right? So mm-hmm.
1: Most of you guys don't know, but CJ used to have a radio show about angels, so I consider CJ an expert on angels. So while I've got (laughs) you here, I'm just picking your brain because I think you're the perfect person for it. You have names like Archangel Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, and then you have Archangel Metatron. (laughs) right? With that name, is that a (laughs) biblical name? I don't want to be poking fun at the name, but I mean, that's so different from like, you know, Gabriel, Raphael, Michael.
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I, what I'm getting goosebumps right now, which is always kind of a confirmation from the angels. I think they might like this question Mm. today. Um, Metatron was a unique and different type of archangel. He was not created to be an archangel. In fact, Metatron is the energy of Enoch, who lived in biblical times. He was one of the only humans ever reported to have been taken to heaven, to actual heaven to meet God. Um, and and he was endowed with these special abilities at that time. He actually returned to the earth to report these things and became eventually when he passes in the human sense, the scribe of God, and he becomes the archangel Metatron. And so he's the only archangel that used to be a human being. And when I've connected with that energy, it is very unique. It's not exactly the same. Um, it's quite Um, extraordinary. It's almost uh, like science and and spirituality kind of meet. He holds a very different, unique space. So I just, I think it's interesting. I was actually talking about how different Archangel Metatron was to a a friend of mine yesterday. And and she said, well, I've never really connected with that energy. I said, well, be prepared. It's kind of different. It's not the same. And so he imparts wisdom. So Metatron is is essentially because he's the scribe of God, is connected to history. It's connected to uh the past. It's connected to the now. And, and so we consider him, I, I can I say we, uh, me and the angels that I work with, you know, we kind of call him the the magician, uh, because of the space that he holds. So very unique that of the archangels. And so you hear Metatron and you go, "Well, what kind of name is that?" And that has to do with sacred geometry, the you know, the name and what he kind of wields, which mm-hmm. is very different right than Archangel Michael or Gabriel or right. any of the others that you hear more often about.
1: Is is Metatron's name mentioned in the Bible?
0: Um, not to my understanding, right? Um, I think that comes later. I've never really actually researched or asked about that. Um, you know, I think it, that would be an interesting thing to 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 look at. But in, in my understanding, even in ancient or or texts outside of of the Bible, you know, he's Enoch, mm. and so we can trace his origins to that. I am not certain, though, <laughs> mm. when he became became the Archangel Metatron as far as referring to him.
1: Hmm. It's like we could have a whole podcast on Metatron.
0: Kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How to connect and yeah. and and he's the most interesting one. I, I find I find him because I, I I consider myself a little of the scientist plus the, you know, very etheric kind of person, right? And love brain. And so he appeals kind of to both sides of me, I think. Mm -hmm. And we certainly could have probably a numerous conversations about Mm -hmm. angelic beings in general, which I think are extremely important to us right now.
1: All right, well, let's get into your experience, because I'll talk about angels, and I think we'll never get there. So let's start with that.
0: Okay. Wonderful. So I I have to preface, you know, the, the story just to a little bit where I was at in my life. I was about 22 years of age. I had been through a couple of very abusive uh, marriages prior to this. I was a single mom of two kids. And, you know, life for me in you know, looking back uh, retrospectively was like surviving over and over again, just in survival mode. And I think we can all relate to that when trauma happens. We just we keep going. We, we try to keep going. And I met the, the love of my life, my very best friend, David, uh, when I was around 22, 23. And I had been through some bad experiences. So I'm like, well, if we're going to, he had his son from a previous marriage. I have my two daughters. And I, you know, let's just move in together. <laughs> and we decided to do that first, right? Let's just see what comes up because baggage comes up once you get. You know, in the same household, so we did that. And the almost moment that we move in, something starts to happen to me. And the the way I would describe this, Jeff, is here I am. I'm happy. I have a heart connection. He's a safe person. He loves me for who I am. You know, and and I sh- I should feel better. I, that's what I was telling myself. Should feel better. I should be happy now. But I wasn't. And so that first month or so, I started to get really depressed. And what I think was really driving the depression is that I kept seeing flashing images of of the trauma abuse. Right. I just kept seeing these things like still uh, like a still frame just kept coming up and I'm a very visual person. So it was almost a little like PTSD, right? Where everything just that's ever happened to me starts to cycle through. And at the time I was very self-judgmental. I had had supernatural experiences as a child. We may not be able to get into that today, but you know, spirit wasn't a new thing. Supernatural wasn't a new thing. But I, I was still very hard on myself. You know, I think we can be very connected to spirit and just be so hard on ourselves. And I wasn't willing um, to get help to process what was happening to me. And so for th- three months, this goes on, Jeff, where I am getting more and more debilitated by, by this experience. And I'm thinking, my husband's going to leave, or my, well, at the time we were engaged, my, my, my fiance is going to leave me. Because who wants to be with a, a, a woman who can't get out of bed, who can't function? And that's where I got to, because I think looking back, I was just and, and I know that, you know, I was also told, you know, it's like you were just fighting yourself so much. And I think it's relatable because I know that we all struggle. I know how much sometimes when we finally get to a safe place we think we're going to be better, but maybe we aren't. Maybe we have to heal. Maybe there's things going on that we can't fully process when we're in survival mode. So, but I misunderstood. I, I didn't, I didn't get that at the time. And so one day I am rolling out of bed, you know, kids have already gone to school. Dave is at work. Um, and I'm kind of, in that, that funk. And I, uh, in my bed, it's probably 10, 30, 11 in the morning. And I start thinking about my situation, not being able to get out of bed. And I get super mad actually at, at that and frustrated. And so this particular morning was, was not so much felt different, but, but I was behaving differently in that I got up kind of put my feet on the floor. And I start talking out loud in the room. You know, I, I, I'm i actually, and I never had, had done that before. I didn't think of, about it at the time, but I was just like, I am so tired of this. You know, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Just, I want this to stop. I'm tired of the suffering. I'm tired, you know, and I'm just kind of on a rant that morning. Quite, I mean, I'm trying to tell on myself, I, I was, I was, I was in this place of, of, Really being feeling so desperate. And I so I get up out of the bed. And we had a couple of chairs to the side of our bed in our bedroom, you know, like a couple easy chairs, and we had a television at the time. And so I just kind of flop, you know, when you sit down frustrated, I I flop down. And I and I finally I just go, I am so sick of hurting. And over to my right, all of a sudden, this voice, voice says, well, CJ, you're not hurting, you're healing. Huh. So I guess because I had had experiences as a child, <laughs> I laughed because I didn't alarm me to hear the voice at the time. But what was said was so loving, but firm, but Amazing because it had never occurred to me that what I was experiencing was healing. Now, I didn't exactly look to my right, but what happened in my mind so quickly, I think, was, oh, wow, three months have gone by and I have misunderstood completely what I, what's going on. And so I think something, you know, at some point when we're kicking and screaming in life, I, I finally something just the, the, it it could have been the presence that was around me, but I just surrendered. I just said, if, if, if I've been wrong this whole time, I accept that. I think that's hard to admit. Sometimes, but I did. And I said, if I'm healing and I can't do it alone. And I, I I literally just raised my hands up and I said, Help me. Help me, God, help me. I was not at all prepared for what would happen next, Jeff, because and I do want to explain something before I describe it, because the reason that one word changed everything for me was that hurting was in my mind was defined as a perpetual process, a never ending story, but healing was a, was a, a process, right? It had a beginning, a middle and an end. And I thought, oh, okay. Maybe that's why these images keep coming up to release them. Maybe, maybe, you know, I just been wrong. But when I surrendered, all of a sudden the room starts to shift and I'm going to try to describe it for everyone. It's hard to describe, but I look to my right and to my right, this column of light appears and this 10 foot angel comes in to view. I have never seen anything like it. Um, and I just... I just looked and I, I just said, what, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, why, why are you here? Um, I'm a questioner. So everybody knows I'm just the most curious sort of person. So in the middle of all this, this thing, I'm going, why me? Why, why me? But as this angel appeared, the room starts to look like the air is, is fluid, like, like a, a ripple effect in the room, um, as if the quantum space, you know, it's like, oh, if you've seen the movie, The Matrix is a little bit like that. Um, and over in the corner of my room, because I'm, I'm diagonal across the other corner, one by one, 12 of these other angels appeared there. And they are, they have three sets of wings, but they look more like uh, energy color, different frequencies that kind of changed and fluctuated. Um, And, and all, all of a sudden I'm in a bedroom, which isn't very, very big with 13 Mm -hmm. of them, which at the time I didn't think of the significance of the 13 um, as a, as a number, but I, I, I began to ask, I was like, well, it was as if they all kind of uh spoke in one voice. So the one that was to my right was was saying, Well, CJ, we've we've been here for three months, but you you couldn't perceive us. You were being so hard on yourself that you it it, it didn't land, it wouldn't go through. And and I said, Oh, oh okay, but um I Something you'll also learn about me is I'm, I'm a little bit of a joker, quite frankly, because I was like, well, am I that messed up that, you know, <laughs> you know all of you guys have to show up? And um, the, 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 the voice said no, <laughs> but you do have a lot to do in your life. You God has a mission for you. We're here to help you heal this, and we're doing it at a time that you most need need this so that you can do what you're, what you're supposed to do. And I went from being depressed that day to ecstatic. In fact, I, everything I'd had a lot of abilities as, as a child, I had a lot of experiences there and it was like, because of all of the trauma, you know, I got disconnected, right. For a period of time in my life. And then it just all came back. And suddenly I can see energy again. Suddenly I can feel everything around me in such a, a profound way. And I attribute it to their energy uh, helping me to heal that day. Um, a lot of people ask, well, were you instantly healed? I, and I'm, well, not completely, because I think that that healing is a process but that heavy weight that had been consuming me for three months just suddenly was gone. And I actually got a lot of misunderstanding from family members who saw me go from depressed and they're worried about me to suddenly she's here's CJ. She's, she's back. (laughs) And i didn't find out for many years later, some of them thought I had a brain tumor, which I now laugh about (laughs) because it was such a dramatic changed to me. But just a single word, right, changed everything. And I think that when we're on a journey, and we're trying to find who we are, and we're trying to find our connection, how we see things, and how we perceive them truly matters. Um, it's, It's important that we know sometimes that that when we're going through things, that's actually a healing process. This was just why I love to tell the story. You know, it's, it's true whether you believe in angels or not, right. If we know that we are healing, we can get through that. It's when we've been through intense suffering and we get caught there that we can't. And since that day, um, i am very very blessed jeff um the angel to my right continues to to be there um speaking one voice for this group of seraphim that visited me and you know it was probably for the next year after that they they prophesied a lot of things to me um and i had a lot of very massive kinds of visions and things like that. Um, I t- I kind of talk about it like it's angel boot camp. I, felt, <laughs> I know that's a weird way to put it, but it, it, it was like that. It, they taught me, they taught me, they taught me, they, they worked with me, worked with me, worked with me. They helped me heal, but always stepping back when I needed to learn something on my own. Because angels are like that. They don't they don't interrupt free will, our choices, things like that but i i absolutely continued to speak to the seraphim that day and i i her name is actually more like a vibrational name which is uliana so there's kind of an ah at the end but i call her uli for short um and uh it's, it's easier to say uh but she's but she's she's still with me and that was 20 plus years ago.
1: Thank you for sharing your experience with us, CJ. I first want to ask, how did your husband, I guess your fiance at the time, how did he react to your change?
0: I think that that's a great, a great question. Um, And one we kind of chuckle about today because we're still together. In fact, our 25th wedding anniversary is is in February. I, the, the, (laughs) I don't think he really knew what to do at the time. I think he was happy that I was not laying in bed. I, but I think that he didn't really completely understand what I was going through. I think, to his testament, he was in, incredibly gracious in that regard. I, I, he was always supportive, you know. And he'll tell you, you know, when I first met CJ, you know, I, I didn't know about all this. Spirit stuff. You know, I I didn't understand all of these things. And at the time, he finally kind of admitted to me later, he wasn't really sure if I might be crazy, you know, who is this lady, you know, that I met, this isn't the same person, but but I was right, Mm -hmm. but I was just happier. But he really had that ability to let that be, even if he didn't quite understand and i think i i'm so grateful for that because i think that um often when somebody whether it's a near-death experience or suddenly a group of angels show up in your bedroom well that's going to change your life But, but and a lot of times partners that people are with you know they they don't understand or they don't believe in that person i was very fortunate and i think Um, I I tell people that that God really matched me and, and David because even though he didn't understand, he knew I believed and that was okay with him, that I had those beliefs because I wasn't harming anybody. I was helping people, you know, and even in my family, you know, they do accept that experience now. But at first people from the outside looking in at this woman, you know, might've thought I was on a manic high or something, or might've thought it was mental illness or, you know, to the outside people try to put what has happened to you in, in, in some kind of context. And if there isn't one, then a lot of misunderstanding happens. But, uh, my husband actually, you know, was, Later on, though, <laughs> because there's this angelic energy around me, he eventually, down the road, had other experiences, things that he saw that made him a believer, but in his own way, right? I, I have been deeply spiritual and spiritualizing everything since I was very small, you know, and I recognize and, you know, everyone reaches their journey that, differently. And I did have to recognize, too, is he didn't have to believe everything that I believed. He didn't have to be where I was or how I operate spiritually, which when we were younger, I didn't quite understand that. I was like, well, are we going to stay together because we don't believe exactly the same things? But but we did. You know, so I, I think he took a lot in stride and kept a lot of those thinking is <laughs> the back of his head for many years, you know. Um, but he but he's always supported me. Really, no matter what,
1: that's great. What is the significance of the number thirteen with thirteen angels?
0: Um, the the number thirteen. If you think about it, we, there are circles of twelve. I mean, biblically, 12, 12 apostles plus Christ, <laughs> thirteen um, circles where you know, ancient alchemy and magic happen are in circles of, of 12 with, with a facilitator, Mm -hmm. the, the base mathematics of the universe is is 12 plus whatever binds that together, right. That is unseen. And so the significance of 13, even though we, you know, culturally, we look at 13, like Friday the 13th, and that's, that's maybe not a good number, but it's actually a very significant number. Um, and so and in the way that the the seraphim said is that they typically, because of their energy and, and trying to help us down here because it's not as common, then they will come together in energies like that, right? Where they're in a group of them. But if you if you look kind of historically, you can see evidence of all kinds of groups of 12 or groups of 13. And I think that, there was a significance in them coming in that number.
1: Are there more than 13?
0: There's many seraphim. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, as I understand it, of the different kinds of angels, the higher in frequency, there are less of them, but there's certainly a vast number, thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. seraphim, mm-hmm. but typically they aren't interacting as much. In fact, when I, um, you know, when you have an experience like this, I guess as so what I want to say next is you kind of search for somebody else out there on the Internet who's had the same experience. That's why people may be drawn to your podcast. Right. Is we we want someone to have had a common experience. My problem was because this is over 20 years ago and still probably to this day, I really haven't heard the same kind of story. Um angelic intervention and you know experiencing but the way they came and how they came and in the group number that they came i haven't found it's a it's a unique story because I, I haven't found anybody now if somebody's on this podcast and says hey 13 13 angels showed up you know it, for me too god i'd love to hear about it right because it's it's unusual it's unusual
1: hmm.
0: and there's also 13 archangels too, so Mm.
1: it's interesting, yeah. Because that's a very
0: yeah it's a significant number.
1: Makes me even go back to the Masons because I think thirteen is a significant number for them. I don't know if it's because of all the stories with the Friday to the thirteenth or or is there another significance? I don't know much about them, but you know, even the American colonies is all I think based on the thirteen number.
0: Right. You can see that number every if you start to, those are great examples that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah, absolutely. So I think vibrationally that number and and is significant because I do believe that our thoughts have energy, you know, everything has, has a frequency associated with it. So there's something very powerful about, about that number, or I don't think we would see it reflected in all the different things that we do.
1: When you first heard the voice in your room that said you were healing, not hurting, basically, mm-hmm. what did that voice sound like? Was it a male voice, a female voice?
0: At the time when I heard the voice, it was actually difficult to discern uh, gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that we tend to associate like a deeper voice with gender as being male, or, or you know, a higher voice being female. It sounded actually a little more masculine because of the tone, mm-hmm. but when I experience the angel, I experience angel feminine, and I think that that kind of lends to they can really be experienced in, in in either way, right? And I think that whatever we are most because they don't have a gender, mm-hmm. right? We mm-hmm. call Archangel Michael Michael he's powerful we consider him to have masculine energy right and a male name but in their essence angels don't have a gender mm-hmm. they are are assigning a gender you know it, it's our assigning that right and and the way that they're depicted is have you know like all the archangels depicted as very masculine energies but some of them well the other side too but it, it was so odd because it just didn't register like that it just was firm it was present you know and it was it was just really there um after the experience after i had that experience and i began to work with that particular angel who came through very often very often um the name that was given to me was uliana and they have seraphims don't often really have a name um but it's hard to say this is it's more vibrational so when when she gives me her name it's like well this is the closest you know that that you can say my name and i'm probably butchering it as well saying uliana but that that's kind of how I can say it. And that's why I started calling her Uli (laughs) for short. Mm -hmm. But she came through later on as a very feminine energy.
1: Now, you mentioned that the room was kind of like the Matrix, kind of fluid-like. And NDE people will sometimes say that when they talk to God or a being, it's not only like they hear them, but they feel them. It's like they feel feel it. It's all one at once. Since that room was like that, would you say you're hearing it, or would you say it almost, you heard it and felt it at the same time as well?
0: Oh, I think there was a very deep feeling, right? Associated with the experience, which was so profound, right? And, and the feeling that I had was like home, just feeling, you know, like our spiritual home feeling through every cell of my body, we're really being permeated with divine love for lack of any other way to describe it, but it felt so familiar. Right. And I, it, it just felt like I was being held in that room by the presence of those angels. And so I think it's a great question to ask about it because it's, when you are encountering these, a lot is communicated, you know, vibrationally, right, through a feeling, which is how we often connect with our angels in our daily life, right? It may not be a voice starts talking to you, um, because that's pretty intense uh, <laughs> to, to hear that, but it can be a feeling of presence. And so I encourage anyone to not discount when they're going, I I really want to connect. I get a lot of questions about connecting with angels. And I said, well, they're, they're always with us, but they can communicate in a very, a variety of different ways, right? They can communicate through evoking a feeling of peace, a quality of those kinds of feelings, or they can communicate other ways through nature, through different signs and things like that. And a lot of times, you know, they can communicate through sequences of numbers. So that's another thing that's fascinating to me is seeing sequences of fours or ones. Um, if I happen to look at the clock on a particular day and I see it when it's 1111 and then I see it when it's one eleven, and then I'm driving down the street and I see 111 on somebody's license plate. Well, then somebody probably is trying to get my attention, you know, and I'll and so I watch for patterns, even though I have, um, I am, I guess what they would call clairaudient where I, I hear as well as where I can see things. And, um, but a lot of times it's a feeling, it's a feeling that is, is different, right. than the feeling we were experiencing prior. And that was just, that was probably that as that room shifted and that they began to appear the incredible, that's why I, I think I said in the beginning of telling the story was, I don't know that I can fully describe it because I saw colors stream through the room that I'd never seen before. So it was very brilliant. And they, they even told me that they appeared kind of to me in a particular way so that I, I wouldn't be harmed by that energy because it is so strong. But I, I experienced it as color and movement like a symphony of feeling. And so I'm really glad you asked about how that might feel, right? To to be in that kind of presence.
1: Are you still Catholic?
0: I think that's a great question. Um, because I, I was raised in, in the Catholic Church. And a lot of people when I say that, when I tell them that, they're like, well, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. because you know, they are kind of caught up in the dogma and there's a lot there to unpack, certainly. But for me as a child with how I spiritualized things and how I felt like God was talking directly to me. I mean, I, my first supernatural experience was like six or seven and I would, I went to Catholic school and and I got in trouble. I remember one time I wanted to go, kids were being mean and I didn't understand because I always felt like I didn't really belong here which I know a lot of your guests from the podcast that I've listened to, you know, they they never felt like they were at home on the planet. And I I certainly think that was true for me, but what Catholicism gave me was, was an anchor point to the divine and I would go in the cathedral and I would sit in that front pew. And when I spoke to God, I received an, an answer an answer. I mean, So what was incredible about being a part of that faith, the good parts, because I think we take the good, you know, and and the otherwise from our experiences, I still, I don't think I would have had the mysticism or the frame of reference. And and my Catholic family, when they found out that grandpa passed away and appeared at the end of my bed, you know, these are things usually that, that families reject. And They didn't, because in the core of the Catholic belief is a belief that God grants gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's not considered demonic or or anything like that. It's considered to be what they call a charismatic Catholic. And I'm not sure why they call it that. But they have groups for support of, of people who've been gifted that way. Not every parish, you know, depends on the church, certainly um, but i only have happy memories other than the the nuns getting very angry at me for disappearing from school and they're looking <laughs> for me for a couple hours and they got everybody looking for me and I'm sitting in church and i i used to think it was just why am i getting why am i getting in trouble for for going to church and i would often counter what the priest said to i was a little bit of a rebel so when they would talk about, God being this punitive fire brimstone kind of God, I would just kind of raise my hand and, and say, well, God's not like that. My my God's not like that. God isn't this way. And I always got in trouble because I, I would speak up or speak out of turn, which I learned to be quiet after those things. But um, to answer your question, though, I just wanted to kind of preface what what that ritual, what that, that upbringing actually meant to the core of me other than seeing hypocrites of priests and things, it, it was, it's still a a part of me. And I, I have to say, I don't go to mass regularly. Right. But I have in different periods of my life when I feel I need to connect to that energy. I, I, I do feel the presence in, in that ritual. And so I will pop in for mass from time to time. Um, but I consider myself more having a direct connection. So I I don't need a church family uh, presently to, to do what I, I believe God's called me to do.
1: Do you think anybody can connect with their angels?
0: Oh, I do. I believe that we're all assigned an angel when we're when we come to this planet. Um, that's your guardian angel. A lot of people want to connect with their guardian angel, but they may not connect the same way that I would with Uli because they're with you for a long period of time and they're kind of holding space and they can intervene. You know, when we have things that happen in our childhood, they often know when it's our time, you know, and, and, and they're there. Other angels, from what I understand of being taught by the seraphim and Uli in particular, was angels can move in and out of our life, right? So we may get additional angels at times that we most need them. and But we're never walking alone. And I think that's the important part for people to realize is that anyone can do that. Just because I have an auditory, I had this massive experience, doesn't make me unique. I, I believe that everyone can can connect with those energies to to feel it because the angels are meant to connect us to the divine so we don't feel alone because when we come down into this this existence the veil closes and we we feel cut off it's it's in the deep subconscious that we no longer are home and we we come from an existence that is everything is one and we come into human experience and now we're dual. We have light, dark, good, bad. Everything is is put into two buckets. And I think that that creates or sets up a lot of human suffering. I really do. And that's why we're given angels to remind us, I think, just because things are dual does not mean that I'm disconnected, right? That I'm separate, and so after this experience, a lot of what I, I believe I do t- to help others is simply to create a connection because we need to know we're not alone. We need to know, right. And, and we're all kind of scared on the journey too. And, you know, people go, well, you got a maid, you got angels talking to you, you know, you've got all this. And I'm like, be careful what you wish for, because I would call it you know, very intense and, and not easy to stay grounded or, and all of that. But in your daily life, you can always connect to your angels. I think a lot of it just has to do with with belief, knowing that we're worthy of that, Jeff, knowing that we all come from the same source. You know, I always like to say, God, don't make junk. <laughs> I, we are immensely beautiful beings, in an extraordinary existence and without the angels in my life, I don't know that I would have ever felt that discovered that or just know that. Right. And so anybody out there who is feeling that or, or is hearing my voice in this podcast, they are there and you're never alone. And it, it, it would boggle your mind at the millions of angelic being millions of millions of angelic beings you know, that are on this planet, assisting us at this time. And I also really want to help some people understand that we are in a weird time right now on this planet, right? There is a lot of upheaval, a lot of chaos. The polarity is reaching kind of a a stretched or breaking point and our challenge is to be in the world, but not of it at this time. Our challenge is not to be pulled in to and fro by fear or what's being driven and to understand that the reality that's going on in here is much more important, right? What's going on here, not out there. What's happening here in your heart, in your life, that's the most important Sometimes self-care means disconnection, right? I'm very empathic, obviously, to others. I have to take a break from news sometimes, Jeff. It's hard to watch. And I recognize anxiety. And I know a lot of your listeners might be dealing with a lot of anxiety with, with the pandemic and everything. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Do what you have to do if you need a disconnect. Get off of social media, stop watching the news, recenter, because the message this year has been go within, pull your energy in, keep it for yourself. I know that sounds a little weird, but because we, if we are way out there, this chaos that is necessary can break us apart and we won't see the truth, which the truth is a new tomorrow, a better world. And we cannot just look at a single very, you know, very narrow point of view to the polarized sides to see the truth of what's happening. But I believe wholeheartedly that sometimes things do have to break. Sometimes just as if, you know, the the seraphim coming to me and saying, you know, we're the catalyst, CJ. We're going to break everything apart that, you know, and it's a little bit like being thrown off a cliff. Um, you know, and I feel like I've transformed with their energies over and over again in my life. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. It's just kind of coming through. I just, I want to encourage everybody that right now for self-care to put themselves first. It sounds selfish and we can have great compassion for others, but we've got to, it's like putting the mask on before you put the mask on your kid, you know, kid, if, if you lose oxygen on an airplane it it, it has to happen and, and there's millions making that choice right now um i've seen it and i know i know it's there but when i get out in there into media and everything that whole thing starts to distort and become its own reality right and we we're, we're being asked to choose at this time kind of the reality that we want for ourselves
1: can you give us any tips on how to connect with our guardian angel?
0: Absolutely. I think that what kind of comes up for us when we're trying to connect, right? Let's just say I went into meditation or a prayer space and I'm I'm just, I'm focusing, you know, on, I really want to communicate with you. I want to be connected to you. What we want to do is be as, re- I know it's hard to be, but we have to be as relaxed about that and and be patient with ourselves because we're we're all in our energy field receiving information all day long whether you realize it or not right so when we put a thought form out an intention right it's it stays for it's there it's energy and so we have to give ourselves some time though once we open the connection with our conscious mind to allow that information to begin to filter through it's like a skill it's it's like anything else but what happens for people is they go i don't hear anything or i don't see anything so i must not be doing it right so what the i'm she's starting to Uli is actually here now. She's starting to say things, so she's giving me a little instruction here. She's and also just kind of agging me on because she's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's it." So I I kind of hear it over here right now. So I just say that, but you know, to to encourage you to to be patient and also to not, we don't really get to set how the angel connects with us. Okay. So, what I hear from people often is, I want to feel a touch to my shoulder, right? I want to feel this specific thing, and then I'll know. If we do that, we limit that considerably, right? So, if we're more open and we go in each day and say, "I really would love to hear from you," I, you know, I'm struggling, or, or I, please give me a sign. Okay. And then we're present to that. It will come. It always comes. The problem is sometimes we, we miss the communication because they know from the outside of you, the best way to talk to you at the, at this moment, they, they know what our, our capability is to, to feel that, to sense it, So what they may do at the beginning of that relationship is drop a penny in your path, a feather, start, you'll you may start seeing sequences of numbers, which are meant to tell you, I mean, the same sequences as I spoke a little earlier about like ones, that's their favorite (laughs) is one, uh, the ones in sequence. And so that would be, a number of ways that that angel might say, I'm here, I'm, I got gotcha. you." And if, you know, so it's a little bit like, you know, uh, you know, back when I would do sessions for people and I still continue obviously to do those today, um, you know, a lot of, in the early days of that, you know, people who are not really believing or, you know, and they, they kind of test you, they try to test you. And I think that as humans, we like to test angels. I think we like, okay, if you're really there, do this. And unfortunately that would be great if we could dictate that it really would be, but because that doesn't happen, doesn't mean you failed to connect because they're right there. They, they are at our beck and call. They will come if we asked and they're going to find the best way through signs externally You know, because not everybody is, I mean, we all have intuitive abilities. We all do. But everybody's is a little different, just like your perception of the world is yours. So we have to understand that when we're trying to talk to these beings or have them be a more dominant presence for us during a difficult time, or maybe just to awaken to your inherent abilities, they're going to start at sort of the lowest common denominator. And, and so we might miss that. But if we start to recognize that, guess what? That connection starts to amplify. Things come much more clearly. And over time, you establish a much more direct connection. So whether you're just in straight meditation asking or you're doing an, a, an invocation or, or a prayer or something you found online, it's like, when you put in something to manifest you, you you cast it out into the universe and so people often talk about manifesting what we want and things like that but we we need to allow the, the universe to support that and, and in the same way and take, it takes time so patience 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 um is kind of key and this is something that Julie's laughing about right now because when we first started working the way that we do I was not a patient person. I wanted it right now um, and they just kind of chuckled at me because <laughs> they're they're ornery at times and said, well CJ in fact it was probably I hadn't been a very big meditator you know at one point and I said you CJ you you need to slow down you need to just be. And I'm like, but you guys gave me a mission. You told me I'm going to write this book. You told me I'm going to do this. I got to go. I got to do it. And they're like, slow down, slow down. And I said, well, why? And I said, well, you got to, you have to develop more presence here in inside and you have to be in the moment, not in the past or the looking at the future, but right here, right now, which we hear that term, right. In a lot of spiritual circles, but. The present moment is the most important, and then I slow down because I'm a doer, and they and I go, "Am I slow enough now?" And they go, "No, and I'm like, "I am crawling, <laughs> you know, so I do have disagreements with my angels, you know, with at least sometimes because I don't understand what maybe what they're trying to teach or I'm impatient with myself, so To answer your question, I think patience is kind of key and just understanding that you can broad stroke that, right, by setting the intention and then just be in the present moment and and pay attention because they will use everything around you to to say we're here.
1: I'm glad you mentioned your book because we're running out of time and I wanted to talk to you about it. It's called Angel Incarnate One Birth. And can you tell us a little bit about what it is about?
0: I'd love to back when they first came in that first year, when I said they prophesied a lot, they said, Hey, you're going to write a book. It's going to be called angel incarnate Uh, gave me the title. And, and I said, I said, what? I mean, I thought it was a great assignment because I always wanted to be a novelist when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to write. And, um, but it took me almost 15 years to write the book. Um, What they wanted me to do was tell the story of an angelic being sent to the world in human form and through the telling of the story they wanted me to teach different spiritual things and so the book it took me a long time to write and um, it's about a woman uh, named Catherine and she goes through this extraordinary phase of, of awakening and the the in this telling of the story there's a prophecy an ancient one that says that god will eventually send angels to earth in human form now this is beyond what we call people on the planet who behave like angels earth angels or or light workers it it's a true evolution of of mankind that would allow this to happen and and so it's a lot like the celestine prophecy because it's 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 an it's a story it's a journey in the story it's got good guys bad guys you know trying to stop her from waking up and so it's a it's a supernatural i say fiction novel but it it tells the story of one birth a, a a human being who's really an angel and you get to go on the roller coaster with her of fear denial you know all the things we we might have happened to us but i am a very um visual writer. So it's an immersive story. So the feedback I I have gotten, um, is that once you get past page 60, it's kind of like a snowball rolling downhill and you can't quite put it, put it down. Um, but it was extraordinary that they did that. And when I was writing it, which is almost its whole other story, I honestly didn't know if I was writing the book or the book was writing me. Um, that's hard to, to describe, but there was a deep sense of of downloading as if the story had already been written in the ether somewhere. And I was merely its facilitator. Um, There were times that I might plan because I write from scene to scene, right. I would let it come through and I would see it and then I'd write it. And there were times that even my characters would do something other than, than what I had anticipated. And so I guess when I describe it, it, to me, in my in my heart, it's a living, breathing story. And the reason it had to be about an angel coming to earth is because of how common across all faiths, angelic beings are. So there's a purpose and a reason that it had that topic, but it's also telling a truth about the fact that this actually is occurring at this pivotal time, um, that there is a ground force and many of these Incarnate angels do not know, you know, that they are or have forgotten or couldn't haven't been able to handle that knowing and and so um, it's supposed to be an activating book. And so people tell me and I, I've had wonderful letters, you know, emails, nobody sends snail mail anymore. So emails um, you restored my faith in God. Um, I mean, stuff that I wouldn't have anticipated, just by telling this, being willing to to step up and tell the story. Um, So I, I absolutely uh, was happy that I fulfilled that I didn't know it was four books, though. So I don't think the seraphim wanted me to know, uh, because I knew it'd be believing in myself enough to write it. You know, those are the things like, Okay, so angels show up and say, "You're going to write this novel, and it's going to be this, and it's going to be that." And you go, "Okay, I don't. Okay, where do I where do I start with that?" And then you know, it's raising kids, right? Because I had I raised four kids, and and I kept putting it down and picking it back up, and putting it down and picking back up, writing it. And of course, every time my energy would change, and I'd have to almost rewrite the whole thing. And then they said to me in 2012. When there was a major gateway of energy, you've got to release it. This first book this year, you have, they told me I had to uh, self-publish it, but that eventually the whole series would be picked up by a publisher. They've said it was going to be turned into a movie. They've told me a lot of things. Um, And so I'm working on a second book, uh, which is Two Worlds, which is the continuation of her journey. Um, You know, the, the first book is really a metaphor for our own journey back to the divine, within ourselves, right? When we discover that truth that we feel disconnected from, but it's really there. And the second book is called two worlds, right? Which is now I'm awakened, but now I'm existing in this world as also a spiritual being. So regardless of whether you're an incarnate angel, technically or not, we all experience that. So the second book is that now she's a, no, she's a human and an angel. How the heck do you do that? Right? How do we stay in presence with the daily stuff and then the human stuff we want to do uh, there you know the the her love in the book is is actually based on a true character my husband um David and so I, I did get to put a lot of my life in this uh, story right um, but it was it's inspired by a true story and my encounter with the Seraphim. And so it's available on my website as well as Amazon. But if people buy it direct from me, um, they get a little angel message. So whatever the Seraphim want me to write in it, I will write in it and send that out. So um, and it's on sale right now so for 1111. Um, but right numbers. <laughs> so but yeah, I I feel very blessed to to have written the first book. And um, took some time off this, this year from teaching and, and my schedule to to really focus on book two. And I do think I have a publicist that's kind of lining up for the first book. So it's a good time to talk about it.
1: After seeing this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are you open to that? And if so, how do they find you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and even if it's just an inquiry, um, you know, I, I do have a pretty full schedule, but I will answer Uh, I'll answer emails and I know people might have a have a question about working with me because I do work one on one with people so they can reach out to me on my website, which is www.cjmardus.com so check the spelling and so there's links there to the book, um, how to contact me. I'm also on Facebook as my name. I'm also on Instagram as my name. So you can kind of connect with me in in different ways, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so I also wanted to mention, I I intuited today that I wanted to offer all your podcast listeners until the end of the year. So anyone who listens to this can use this $40 off uh, an hour session with me uh, just by using uh, Jeff Mara 2021. So the discount code, I want to offer that. Um, the other thing too, is if I'm able to, if it's a financial burden, I just ask that you contact me. I'll see if that's a good fit. I do work with people and I work with people all over the world. Right. So I can't promise that I can lower the cost, but I am willing to look at individual situations. um, because when, you know, I, I've always had this thing about an exchange, right? You know, I think that there has to be an exchange for any spiritual services that you that you get. Um, at the same time, there's so many that can pay what I am I, I feel like my value is. And it allows me then to to help others who who may not. And so it it all evens out, right? That's kind of my business model, if you can call it that. But it's just taking people on a case by case basis Um, because if we're meant to work together and I discern that, right. If I feel that I I'm not, I don't turn people away, Jeff, because I really am on a mission here and I'm just, you know, so happy to tell this story when I get the opportunity. I think that people need to know that we're, we're not alone, that there is hope you know, and that we are extraordinary beyond measure. We were made that way. Our spirit is infinite. Mm -hmm. And anytime I can share the joy I have at just knowing that all the way through me, 110%, if I can convey any of that to any of your listeners, then I, I feel happy, you know, because it's, it's, it's about our connection and helping each other. We we need to be good citizens. We need to be good stewards of the earth and each other. And i think that's one of the things that the angels are trying to tell us all the time.
1: All right, well before we finish up, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everybody?
0: If there are things that that are you're presently struggling with and i know that i can feel it every day, struggle after struggle, there are hard times for so many of us. Don't lose hope. Sometimes it can look so bleak. And when we lose hope, we close the channel of possibilities for, for God, who, however you, you feel that presence is, whatever term you want to use. And what I have seen over 25 years is when things seem at their darkest moment. Right? Because my life hasn't just been a picnic since they showed up. I've had things bad happen in my life when I can have some faith in there. You know, and sometimes it's our faith in ourselves in order to, to be able to, to keep going. But don't lose hope. Ask for help. If that's somebody that you know or that's the divine, you deserve help. You're worthy of it. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to believe, right? That we're worthy. We're worthy to receive the gift of angels. We're worthy to receive the gift of people who we we are safe to open our hearts to. You know, we're worthy of that. And I'm actually speaking from my own experience. I mean, I was so humbled by what happened to me. And I thought, who am I? Who am I to be? in the presence of something this extraordinary. And and would say, who am I not to be? And their love for us is, is just like God's love. And so ask for help.
1: Thank you for that message. And CJ, thank you for being my guest. When you get your next book out, contact me so we can get you back and talk about that. And I'm sure I have more questions about angels.
0: Oh, that'd be fantastic, Jeff. I love what you're doing. You keep doing it. Okay.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I will. And I wish you the best and have a great rest of your day.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast.